Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. And I'm Lucas Stock. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Uh, so Lucas, on, on today's episode of Creeds and Confessions, uh, we're going to be wrapping up the Nicene Creed. Uh, if you've been with us any amount of time over the last month or so, you'll, you'll know that on Fridays we are no longer doing our Christians of History, uh, but we've entered into this uh, little, I don't know if it's called a series or a um, installment of, of Creeds and Confessions, where we're going to go through historic creeds and confessions. And so uh, we've, we've talked about the, the Father, we've talked about the Son, and now today we're going to be talking about the Spirit um, as he is revealed in the Nicene Creed. So Lucas, do you want to read that? I would love to. So, the final paragraph of the Nicene Creed. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And before we move on, I want to apologize on behalf of my cat, who is going crazy with the Christmas tree <laughs> ornaments. And if it's disruptive, feel free to turn off the episode and come back next week. <laughs> it happens. Um, so, one, or not one spirit, the Holy Spirit, um, is, I think, a really interesting article, um, you know, each of the different sections of this creed, I think when you sort of lay them out side by side, it's really interesting how the structure kind of differs to, to me, at least like, you know, the father, it's a very short paragraph. I mean, it's really just one sentence and at least in this translation I have, um, the son is a lot longer. We get into a lot more detail about who Jesus is both before and after his incarnation. Um, and then the spirit, I, I feel like is a little different as well. Um, because it, we seem to be talking about a lot of things besides the spirit himself, if that makes sense. We're, you know, we, we, we talk about who the spirit is, um, or, or what we believe about the spirit. And then we talk about the church. We talk about baptism. We talk about the resurrection, um, which on the surface, it doesn't seem to be part of a confession of who the spirit is. Um, if, if that, if, if I'm you know, explaining what my thoughts clearly, like we have, we believe in one God, the father who is this person and does this thing. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the son who is this person and does this thing. And then it almost seems like at least just in terms of the language used, we believe in the Holy spirit who is this person. And we believe in all this other stuff. It, and that's how I always used to read it on the surface, at least is just kind of like, we, we believe in the Holy Spirit, and we're not going to forget that because he's God and we can't forget it. Um, and then we're also going to add in these other really important key things that we believe as Christians that are important, that need to be in the creed, but maybe don't have their own spot. And I don't know if that's something that you've ever thought of or that, that you know, when you hear or read or recite it, if that's like the way your brain kind of, you know organized it or whatever 
Um, yeah, kind of like in the for, Apostles' Creed too. Like mm-hmm. when, it, what, basically, once yeah. it gets to this this conversation about the church, it seems to be shifting gears away from the spirit. At least that's how I've thought about it. Right, and for a long time, I thought you know that was just how they did it, and there was just less to say about the spirit. Um, but I want to contend that the way we should conceive of the organization of the discussion of the spirit is actually the same as the other two articles. And I think I mentioned this last week where we, I wanted to note how each section of the creed tells us who the respective person of the Trinity is and the work that they are characterized by or, or, you know, responsible for. And what I want to say is that that is exactly how this section on the spirit is organized as well. We have who the Holy Spirit is, the Lord, the giver of life, proceeding, worshiped and glorified, spoken through the prophets. Um, And then with that spoken through the prophets, we kind of segue into what his work is. He is the one who has spoken through the prophets. And while it's not directly saying like he does this, to, to confess belief in the church, baptism, the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come is to, I would say, enumerate the works of the Spirit. What does the Spirit do? He is the one who, you know, spoken through the prophets. He is the one who has inspired scripture. We believe in the church. He is the one who binds us together in one body of Christ. He is the one who is, who is communicated through the sacrament of baptism. He is the one who forgives our sins. He is the one who ultimately will, will resurrect us um, on account of our, you know, indwelling of the Spirit or the Spirit's indwelling in us. We will be resurrected and we will be part of the life of the world to come. So I don't have much more to say about that, but I think it's um, worth noting because it's less obvious in the way that the language presents it, that we're still dealing with the same structure of person and work. Mm. And I think one of the reasons it's so important is we don't want to fall into the trap that I think has often happened, where the spirit is an afterthought, where we wouldn't say he's less God, maybe, but in terms of like, practically how we how we think and talk, it might kind of seem like he's not less God, but I don't really know how he fits in. Or I don't really know like where he is. I can't point to him the way I can point to Jesus on the cross mm. or God, the creator, you know, the right. father, um, the creator. Um, but, but I think that recognizing the way that the creed is trying to structure this confession, I think helps push back against that like depersonalization of the spirit into either just some kind of force or some person who we're not quite sure what he's up to. Right. Yeah, and I would agree. I I, I remember <laughs> early in my Christian um, upbringing, I guess uh, there was a book that that Francis Chan wrote called uh, "The Forgotten God," um, which is sort of echoing that s- sentiment that you're saying. That often it seems like the Holy Spirit is this forgotten God within the triune Godhead. And you know, a, a few months back we had, <clears throat> excuse me, a few months back we had an episode on uh, the Trinity. And we talked about how our our very Christian life is wrapped up in a triune God. Like, you know, our baptism is in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Um, Our salvation um, is, um, you know, 
ordained and accomplished and done uh, in a trinitarian framework like each member has has a role and uh yeah so in in a very fitting way this 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 final paragraph if we want to call it that this this bit about the holy spirit um i like that as we're contending that there's the person and the work just like there has been a person and work of the father and the son thus far and when you really think about it it's not to say that <laughs> not there isn't one person of the godhead who's more important or um you know worth worthy of more esteem or anything um, but what's really interesting to me is this this work that he does um is something that we actually experience in the here and the now today whereas you know god the father who was creator we weren't there at creation uh, with the son, his his crucifixion, his his death, burial, and resurrection, uh, his ascension, we weren't there for those things. And it's not to say that those things are any less important. Um, but what I'm trying to say is we should not forget about the spirit because his work is the work that is happening here and now in your life today. And, and of course, God the Father and God the Son too um, are always ever relevant and present. Um, but when we specifically talk about the, the church being one and holy, Catholic and apostolic, when we talk about our baptism, uh, when we talk about forgiveness of sins and the resurrection that's to come, uh, these are things that we live through here and now. And so we ought not forget the importance of what the Spirit is doing here and now. Yeah, that's really good. Um, another thing I wanted to highlight, we don't we need to get into the weeds on this because these are weeds that have been growing for a thousand years, but um, there, as I'm sure everybody remembers very clearly, when we when we talked about the sun last time, we talked about um, a, a funny little Greek word called homoousion, that means the same substance or the same being. So that's where we get um, uh, of one being with the Father or of the same substance as the Father, and and we talked about how important that one little word was. Um, in the controversies surrounding who Jesus was. Well, the spirits section also has a funny little word, this time in Latin, that has caused and continues to cause quite a bit of controversy over who the spirit is. Um, if you'll you know, recall or scroll back, when, when I read it, I said that the spirit proceeds from the father and the son. And it's kind of a theological and ecclesial, you know, ecclesiastical, or I guess ecclesiological statement to say, and the Son, when you confess the Nicene Creed. In Latin, and the Son, that phrase in English, um, in Latin, it's one word, filioque. And so if you spend a lot of time uh, reading or interacting um, with various, you know, theologically minded people, you might come across people discussing the filioque, the filioque controversy, whether or not, you know, are you pro or, or anti-filioque? Um, and what the, the, the source of all that is in the East and in the West, there is a big divide in the Nicene Creed. The East does not say, and the Son. They do not confess the filioque, to be a little more fancy. The West does, traditionally. That's why I read it. Um, and that division goes back all the way to, and it was a big factor in, 
the schism between the Eastern Church and the Western Church. So today we talk about the Roman Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Churches. Well, at one point, there was no Western-Eastern division. There was no Catholic-Orthodox division. There was one holy Catholic apostolic church. Not to say that everybody had exactly the same opinions and practices in every sense, but that's a different conversation. But the church was not divided the way that we see. And as Protestants, we're probably almost blind to division because we're just so used to it um, because there are so many more divisions today than there even were, you know, a thousand years ago when East and West split. But it was a big deal. Um, And the filioque saying that the, that the Spirit proceeded from the Father and the Son was a big deal in that. And there are, there are two reasons. One is theological, and one is um, more, I don't know, I don't want to diminish it, but it's more administrative. I, I would say this would fall under like an ecclesiological issue. Um, so theologically, I'll, I'll cover that real quick, is do we want to say, can we say that the Spirit proceeds from both the Father and the Son? Or does the Spirit only proceed from the Father? And that's actually a big theological question that's kind of difficult to untie. I'm not going to solve it here. It would need a whole episode on its own to really get into all the nitty-gritty and and the reasons why people disagree. But that's a big disagreement. Whether or not, theologically, we actually do want to confess that he proceeds from both the Father and the Son— as opposed to proceeding from the Father. So in the East, the Son is begotten of the Father, and the Spirit proceeds from the Father. And so you kind of see this, it, you know, I think of like a triangle, like it's more, it's more equal. Um, I've, I heard a professor once describe it as um, the, the, the Son and the Spirit are like each one arm of the Father. Um, that like to think, not, not that they're lesser, than the father, but just like they're, 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 it's a little more symmetrical how they relate to the father, as opposed to in, in the Western conception, he proceed the, the son is begotten of the father, and then the spirit proceeds from the father and the son. Um, that's all I'll say on the theological side of it. Maybe we'll do an episode one day about it because it is just way more in depth than I'm qualified to answer. I would need to do a lot more prep, but <laughs> I'm sure we will. The, the big issue. Well, I, I want to say the big issue. Another huge problem is in the Western Church. So Western Church speaking Latin, that's where we get filioque, you know, in Latin instead of Greek. They just added it into the creed unilaterally. There was no council. There, there was no ecumenical council. There was no discussion between the different um, churches, between the Eastern churches and the Western Church. There was... Um, a decision made by the Western Church. So when I say Western Church at this stage in history, you know, right around a thousand or somewhere around there, um, I'm talking about uh, the church, you know, headed by the Bishop of Rome, um, which was the Rome was really the only significant, you know, church in the West. So it was kind of unlike in the East where you had Alexandria and Antioch and Jerusalem and Constantinople in the West, you pretty much just had a Rome in terms of a like metropolitan church that was sort of the central authority. They just added in and the sun. And the reason that's a big deal is the Nicene Creed came out of the Council of Nicaea, the first ecumenical council where the entire church was represented, came and hashed out all these different details and 
wrote the first draft of the Nicene Creed, which was then expanded on and fulfilled in the form we have it in the Second Council at Constantinople. So for one church, in this case the Church of Rome, to just change the creed, to just add something to the creed on its own, is a really, really, really big deal because they're saying that we have the authority to change authoritative church documents that came out of a gathering and a discussion of the entire church. Because if, if you know, the, the entire church is held to the Nicene Creed. So all of a sudden, I make a change to the Nicene Creed and I don't tell Jens about it. He's now confessing something different than me. And we haven't even had the chance to hash it out and figure out, is, is this something that should be changed? Is this something that should be added? You know, maybe it's theologically correct to say that he proceeds from the Father and the Son, but it's ecclesiologically problematic to unilaterally decide, I'm going to add this word into the creed, or we're going to add this word into the creed, and expect everybody to submit to this change. And because of that, there's, two, like I said, to this day, there's controversy between East and West. Um, and, and one of the big dividing markers of East and West is the use of the filioque in the, in the creed. And to kind of like highlight this, and then we, we'll move on, um, in the 2019 ACNA Book of Common Prayer, in the, the, the Nicene Creed is printed and the sun is in brackets. Um, and there's a little footnote that basically explains this was not in the original Greek. And there's a little, there's a little like resolution that the ACNA bishops um, came to um, that, that's printed in the back of the Book of Common Prayer where um, to, to kind of acknowledge the ecumenical problems of the filioque. The, the problematic nature of where it came from and to recognize it in terms of how can we move forward for unity's sake, you know, a millennium later <laughs> right. with this with this funny little word added in. Um, so yeah, that's all I'm going to say because that's all I have to say. And I, you know, if I stop here, then I'll sound really smart. But if I keep going, you know, I'm going to be more and more likely to say something that reveals how dumb I actually am. So <laughs> that's the filioque. And it, it, it's worth bringing up because it, it is a very important um, sticking point in the creed when, when we're thinking global Christianity, you know, East and West, especially. Mm. Yeah. Well, that that concludes the, the Nicene Creed. Uh, I guess we, Lucas and I haven't talked about where we go from here in our creeds and confessions segment, but uh, be on the lookout next week for a, a new creed or confession so we thank you so much for listening to this episode of the doxology podcast uh, if you'd like to connect with us you can find us on twitter and instagram at doxology podcast you're always welcome to email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com we'd love your feedback questions and episode ideas uh, make sure to sign up for our newsletter that link is down below in the description uh, or you can find it on our social media sites uh, also, just real quick, want to give a huge, huge thank you to everybody who has been tuning in, especially the last two months. Um, we we yeah, really appreciate yeah. the the support that we've had. I mean, our, our Heresies Month for for October uh, at that time was our biz, our biggest month, and it has now been beaten. So November is our biggest month, and interestingly, we've released less episodes in November 
Um, the month isn't even over yet, but we already right. have like almost a hundred more downloads this month than last. Yeah. So we just want to say thank you. We really appreciate your your support and you know all of all of you who comment on Twitter and Instagram and who who share our stuff and who um, who listen to the Parisia episode. That that in just a couple days became our ninth most listened to episode. Mm. Um, no episode has risen to the top 10 that quickly, so we thank you for tuning in. And for those of you who, who helped back the Kickstarter, want to give a special thank you. Um, so that's, it's, it's Thanksgiving today when we're recording this, so I just felt it was fitting to extend our thanks to you, the listener. So we hope you have a good rest of your day. See you.